Well, I'm going to actually let her introduce herself, but she is the mastermind and the brains behind Salon Owners Collective. And I've known Larissa for, I would say, probably 10-ish years now that we've worked together off and on. So um, as I introduce you, I think you should do the honours of introducing yourself and explaining to all of the listeners who you are, what you're all about, and all that good stuff. Okay. Well, I'll kind of do uh, do a short version of a long story. Okay. Uh, because I'm, pr- I'm pretty old now so my story's quite long um <laughs> so I guess first and foremost I, I'm a qualified hairdresser and I was you know straight out of school uh, into my apprenticeship um and six months out of my apprenticeship I opened my salon um for better or for worse um I think I did it probably out of a little bit of naivety which was probably a good thing if yeah. I'd known what I was getting myself into I don't know that I would have done it um, but I managed to get in there and get things done. I really learned that I loved the business of business and I loved that I could do business inside of uh, an industry that I really loved. So I had that sell on for 20 years. We had one location, two locations, back to one location. We moved several times. And when I sold uh, 10 years ago now, or just over 10 years ago now, um, there was a team of 30, 30 amazing women that I worked with. And I was in and on, working in and on that business 15 hours of the week. And I spent the other time, I had two young children. So I was, you know, looking after them and crazily enough, decided to open another, you know, start another startup business. I don't know what I was thinking. But in any case, I think the point is that I managed to build a really great management team who ran the business and um, I could lead from the back if you will mm. um we had a great training academy we had seven apprentices at any given time um and we won three global salon business awards that I had the luxury of traveling around the world to receive except for one I was too pregnant to hop on a plane so somebody else had to get it for me um but that for me really solidified my love for they were business awards not creative awards um mm. So that's kind of my journey. And then 10 years ago, I sold. I turned 40 um, and the business turned 20. And I was like, okay, what's the next 20 years of my life going to be look like? And I ultimately decided that I, I, I'd done running a salon. I was ready to go into the industry and do something, uh, move and shake the industry a little bit more somehow, yeah. although I didn't really know at the time what that was going to look like. So um, six years ago, we started Salon Owners Collective. And I called it Salon Owners Collective because I knew that I didn't want it to be Larissa's brand or Larissa's coaching business or uh, I don't like to be the center of attention. Um, And I didn't want to build a business around myself because that really is a little bit, it hamstrings growth because you are the center and, you know, there's only, I've got the same amount of hours as as Beyonce I don't know how she does it but I was like I don't want to be that I don't want to be that busy and I don't want to be the center of attention so um that was always my intent to not be a personal brand I guess 
Yeah. Um, and so we're six years old now and we have a team of 13 um, and we're serving salon owners um, predominantly Australia and New Zealand, um, but also we're in the UK, US and every now and then a random place like Sweden or something. Um, and we help owners kind of do the same as what I just talked about, step away from being the center of their business so they can get a little bit of freedom, get a little bit more profit, actually have a life and enjoy business because business is hard. Um, running a business is hard and trying to grow a team can be challenging. So that's what we hope to help salon owners do. So that was my, I don't know if that was a short story, <laughs> but that's my story. <laughs> and what, what a lot of people probably don't know about you is you're actually based out of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So I've had, some, yes, I've had the pleasure of actually um, coming to Wellington, Wellington, right? Yes. Yes, Wellington. yes, yes. I remember I was doing like a, a kind of pit stop tour of all of the, all of the places in New Zealand and we caught up. Um, so, and I think that's really amazing that, you know, you've found this gorgeous part of the world, but like you said, you're servicing, you know, all over the place and you were a very early adopter of the hybrid business model. And I think you, that's what you and I probably really connected over, that we were, you know, kind of working in this nomadic digital space that no one else had kind of gotten to yet. And then COVID happened and now everyone's here and it's really, really great. Um, so during the time, so just for all of the listeners, there's a bit of backstory. Um, when Larissa launched Salon Owners Collective, I remember we were sitting down having a wine at Heretzbo in Melbourne. And Larissa said to me, hey, I think I'm going to start something and I'd love you to be my first client. Do you remember that? I do. And, and yeah. I was like, yes, sign me up. I'm, I'm all here for it. And so <laughs> um, from, from there, um, you, were, you were a business coach, but I kind of looked at you as more like my psychologist and psychiatrist where you would help help me unpack all of my business problems and help me compartmentalize those and um yeah still to this day like I if it wasn't for the knowledge and the structure that you gave me at that time I don't know whether I'd have the really great habits and the foundation that I have now so the one thing that I, I really took away from the time in which you coached me was the fact that you are so incredibly organized. I have never in my life met anyone as organized and, and as on top of things as you are. So if you could maybe share a little bit about how you managed to just have various streamlines of your life as a business owner within this you know crazy industry that we all work in. Um, and I think that um, you explaining that might really help quite a few people that just don't know how to find all of the different pieces that they've got going on in their lives and just kind of making it work. Okay. Um, well, the first thing to know is that I wasn't born organized. I'm actually uh, uh, a creative who has chaos in my head, just like the majority of us. It's a learned skill. And the skill really came out of the need to get out of like when we're in chaos it's creative but it's painful do you know you miss deadlines it's embarrassing to not show up and be organized and all of those kind of painful experiences I had in my 20s as a young business owner um I was like I just can't bear to continue to be like that and so it came out of a desire to um do better be better and you know um yeah be successful I guess and so it wasn't something I was born with and what it took me a long time to learn 
uh, and I still am learning, I guess, is that there's only 24 hours in the day and this is the currency that we have. It's time. And we get to choose what we spend our time on. So we need to be a little bit intentional about where we spend our time, what we choose to do with. And so I'm a um, longstanding overcommitter and overcommitting to things and saying yes to things because they're exciting or fun or you don't want to let people down or you want the results or whatever. So what I've learned to do is to manage my time and I literally calendar block everything in my calendar. So if you look at my Google calendar, everything that I do is planned in advance and it's in my calendar. Even my child's shower time is in my calendar. <laughs> He's 12 now. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, so I don't really have to manage his, but his showers. But it's a reminder, I get to Sunday, it's still in there since he was like five. And I go, how many showers has he had this week? You know, all of those things are run on my calendar. So meeting today was in my calendar. All of those things, because it's the one thing that I can control and what I choose to fill in it mm-hmm. so um, that's the spice of life right where you spend your time who you spend it with what tasks you do or don't do is going to determine the outcome of success so I think that's my first um, organizational tip is like manage your time and be smart with what you put in there and if it's not going to give you the result or take you towards the goal um don't put it in there and that stops you from overcommitting. because now when somebody says can you do the thing and I go well hang on let me see when I can do the thing or if I need to do the thing what else I need to move and prioritize um so yeah cooking time picking up the kids is in my calendar um going to dinner is in my calendar all of the things so that's number one I I think number two is being able to delegate I can't do all the things so I can do only what time I choose to put in my calendar and there's more stuff that needs to be done than I can do so I need to be good at delegating Um, and the only way I can delegate is by having good humans on my team um, and then giving them enough information so they can succeed setting them up for success and being clear about what I want and what I need which sometimes is hard because sometimes you don't you just know you have a problem you don't necessarily know how to solve it yeah Um, and then the third point is systems and processes it's dangerous when information lives inside of my head. It's not a good place for information to be stored because it's chaos in there. So I've got to be disciplined in, in creating systems and processes or how I can transfer information to other people. So we use Asana as a project management tool. Okay. Um, and, and we have a really good, what I call, this is how we do it here. So we have a, a, a portal, if you will, and any processes or systems that we do on repeat or regularly, like produce the podcast or produce a blog or let, you know, onboard new customers that all have systems and processes. And we've worked out the best optimal way to do those things. Um, And we put those on repeat because if they live in my head, it's useless to everybody else and it's chaos in there. So it shouldn't live in, I have this rule, nothing should live in my head once it's become a thing. Dreams and ideas, good place to be in my head. Um, processes no not good I love that and I look I actually remember um you giving me that tip a little while ago saying you know it's all about your calendar and it's all about your outsourcing and I think my comment to you was like oh I don't know like I feel like getting a cleaner is just such a luxury and you were like (laughs) no no it just means that the time that you spend you know working that pays for the cleaner it's it's better you're getting more stuff done and 
all of those tips, it was great because you nudged me out of my comfort zone with all of those things. So I highly recommend all of them. And I think, you know, that organization kind of loops us back to like things like deadlines. And like you say, creative people are really bad at deadlines and, or, and all of any, anything that has a timeline really. So you never seem to miss that. And you're always across tech. So you're good with the management. You're great with um, the forecasting of ideas. But how is it that you manage to stay on top of what's happening in tech? Because you seem to have such a natural ability. You know everything that's going on in the tech space. And I'm amazed that you have time to read, read the blogs, listen to the podcast. So tell us your hacks on staying up to date with what's happening in that space. I think, firstly, when I was a young kid, my dad, he's a bit techy. He's not a coder or anything like that, but he learned to code and he taught both my sister and I to code. Back in those days, it was pretty easy. So we used to make little programs. So I think I've always been, right from a kid, quite interested in what technology can do. Um, and the, and I, I find it quite fun. So um, I'm an avid podcast listener. So when I walk or when I drive or even... If at night, my latest one is at nighttime. If I wake up and can't get back to sleep, I listen to a podcast because, like, it's better than lying there, letting things swim around in your head. Um, so, yes, being committed to listening, learning constantly. But I'm definitely uh, a doer rather than learning by listening and learning theory. I just need to get in and have a go. So, for example, everyone, you know, as you know, Chat GPT is all around. Yeah. So, I need to get in there and play with it and see what it does rather than just listen to everybody else first I listen to everybody else and then I go and have a go and I guess I do that I do that in my spare time so <laughs> don't tell don't tell my husband but sometimes we might sit down to a family movie which is great but I've got two boys and a husband so I'm in a boy household so sometimes the movies are a bit boyish and so I'll just secretly quietly under my pillow open up my laptop or my computer and go and play on ChatGPT because I find it fun. So I'm obsessed enough to just look at things because it's fun and exciting. I don't know if that yeah. answered the question, but I guess that's kind of, that's the secretly what I like to do in my fun time. Um, <laughs> I'm a geek. We are actually going to be recording um, a podcast this week on ChatGPT and I had my first little play on it last night. So I think it's very apt that you um, you actually bring that up <laughs> as, as a point. Um, and before we jumped on this conversation, you know, you and I are chatting and your question was like, how are things with you and what's been happening? And that was a great question because I feel like um, we're in April at the moment um, and knowing that people may be listening to this historically, so April 2023. And what I found in business over the last couple of months is we've hit, you know, a really unique time that we haven't hit before. So we, we're post-pandemic and we've gone through a very unusual patch, but we've hit another really unusual patch and that is um, in Australia and New Zealand, in interest rates are, are really rising and people are feeling the pinch as business owners in a really big way. And I think it's really changed the landscape of our industry over probably the entire 2023, but I've noticed it um, the last few months, like spending is capped for people, like they're really concerned about what the future looks like. So I just wanted to get your take and see if you're noticing any major shift in the industry due to, I guess, that 
financial inflation and economics that we're seeing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think uh, it, globally there's uh, a challenge, but locally um, interest rates, you know, in some cases are doubling. And I know I was just saying to you before, you know, ours, our interest rate has doubled and that has a huge, uh, our mortgage interest rate has doubled and it has a huge impact. Um, and I suddenly went, oh, I see <laughs> what everybody is experiencing. And I know that for some salons, um, the stories from with our own salon master community, um, clients or long-term clients are choosing to downgrade or to come less often, or they're choosing the gym over their hair, depending on what their own priorities are. They're having to make choices around extra spending mm. based on the fact that now you know, their mortgage rate is up and you kind of got to pay where to live like that becomes first priority so uh, I think everybody's feeling the pinch my um my observation is that those that are have a solid business have a good financial business model um and have uh, already have a reasonably successful business or very successful business aren't going to experience quite the uh, devastating impact but those that maybe don't have a good financial model are already close to break even or not profitable um, and probably are serving the lower end of the market are going to suffer because it's the lower end of the market that they have no fat in their spending already they're already budgeting and they're already thinking about how much um, they can have um, in discretionary spending so I think that end of the market's going to be tough um, so I think the lesson or the opportunity here is to manage what you can control. Yes, we need to put our prices up, but it's not the only answer because, you know, for some people that's outpricing themselves. Um, so I think internally it's about recognizing who are, who are the types of clients that are at the top, or end, top end of the financial market who are less impacted and doubling down on serving those people really really well um and you can only help who you can only help you can't change the minds of the people who are choosing their morning coffee over their hairdo like don't panic about them double down on the people who are choosing you over their coffee or their gym or their whatever other discretionary spending and then be smart about the services that you're um promoting or that you're doing like they've got to be the higher end higher end of the service market or the higher profitable services so you might do less work but you've got to do the better work and I think that's what's going to help us double down and and survive um and then I just want to say this too shall pass you know like it was terrible when it was COVID but we all got over it some didn't and some won't get through this um but this too shall pass it's just a little bit annoying that it's kind of too challenges back to back right yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if you're anything like me I'm like I just I just want to get on and do great business and I, I don't want these interruptions um yeah. but that's life it is it is what do you think the biggest mistake that salon owners are making in business right now because I guess from um your point of view that's that's who you're dealing with and that's that's your audience it's salon owners so where is it that we're falling down as an industry or as business owners Okay, I love this question, actually. Um, I kind of feel like this is my mission to help people um, get over these these mistakes. So I think the first one is um, 
if you are fully booked serving clients 40 plus hours of the week, my question to you is who's running the business? Who's running your business? You're serving clients and you're behaving like a, a team member inside of the business and then nobody's running the business and doing the business stuff or we try to do it in the 15 minute gaps between clients or while the client's processing we try to run our business and we're running our business at 11 o'clock at night when we're exhausted and we're tapped out and so yeah. we've got a tapped out tank is empty grumpy owner who's got no time to be an owner and just wants to serve clients and so I think that's the first mistake is that we transition from being a stylist or a therapist into being an owner and we forget to transition our job description and we keep doing the same thing we just mm. pile a whole bunch of stuff on top and then wonder why things are going terribly or why we feel stressed out so I think that's probably the first mistake I think in a perfect world if you know I get it we love to serve our clients I, I did too we have amazing relationships with clients so I think the balance is at a minimum of 50 50 um, if you can spend 50% of your time with clients and the other 50% of your time running the business um, and, and depending on obviously what your growth goals are like I think you shouldn't be doing any clients personally yeah but we love but but we do love to do it so I think there's, there's got to be something something's got to give there I think that's the first mistake yeah uh, what was it? do you want to do you want any more mistakes or is that one good <laughs> sorry did you want any more of the mistakes um or, or was that good look no no share more if you if you've got more because I think people don't actually know what they're doing that's holding them back and sometimes like with your own with my own mistakes I'm like I can't believe it took me that long to work it out that I was doing that wrong someone should have just pointed that out to me because you're so busy living in your own little bubble you just you can't see the forest with the trees right so I think no more tips are good keep them coming okay I think the second one is that we forget that our team don't know what to do or we expect our team should know what to do. For example, somebody comes in for, and applies for a job and they've been in the industry for 12 years or whatever, five years, and we go, great, you're a senior stylist, you'll know what to do, employ, and we throw them out on the floor and then we are um, upset or disappointed at performance um but we've never told the people what we actually expect of them or what we want them to do or how to do it here just because they've done it somewhere else um doesn't mean they know how to do it here um it's like saying oh you've worked at peter pitt that's a fast food takeaway when you come to work at mcdonald's you'll know what to do you've worked at a fast food takeaways before and it's like well, hang on no no these are completely different businesses just because we provide the same service doesn't mean we know what to do and so I think because we're too busy on the floor doing clients, we're not spending the time showing our people what to do, teaching them how to do the thing, setting them up for success, serving the team members, just because you know, and it's so obvious to you, um, it doesn't mean it's obvious to them. Um, it's it's kind of like the curse of knowledge, actually, because we know all the things we can see so clearly how it should be done or why it should be done. And we forget that those people don't have, they're not looking through the same eyes as us. They've got different yeah. eyes and they don't see what we see and they shouldn't see what we see. That's why we're the business owner, right? Um, so it's taking the time to invest in our humans and, and we forget. I, I see that probably as often as I see people working too many hours doing clients. Yeah. I guess we just came I, out of, 
the the conversation about the, the shift that's happened and I think all of those are really interesting points around you know the economic shift so coming out of the pandemic what what did that teach you as a business owner um I love this question um I think first and foremost just to be agile and be mm. prepared to pivot like what worked does not work anymore and you've just got to look for something new a different a different angle or yeah be prepared to throw everything out the window <laughs> and start again it's a fine line you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, obviously but yeah being prepared to change um and the fact that things it's it's different Every, everything has changed and we need to change with it I think that's part of our job as being a business owner is to to change read the read the tide read the weather map and dress accordingly <laughs> <laughs> um and then, and then I think the other thing is um appreciate now what we've got and then care deeply um I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, I'm always looking forward. Like I'm, I'm excited about the future and what's next. And and sometimes I live in the future, which mm. means that sometimes I can forget to appreciate today, right now, and what's really happening. And and so when something like COVID comes along or interest rates double, um, you can suddenly go, oh shit, I had it really good. Um, damn it. Um, so I think take a moment to appreciate what you've got in any given moment, and even when the tide changes or the rugs pulled from under you you've got to actively look for what's good because you could go down a deep dark hole of sadness or depression or angry or whatever the emotion is because it's unfair or unjust but you've got to just hold on to what's good just for your own mental health I, I feel mm. yeah I certainly feel that you know COVID and the pandemic taught us that we need to pivot and you know not saying that it's a good thing that interest rates are what they are at the moment but we are we are we're primed. We've done it before. We have the agility, and so now we just need to reskin the structure of our business and like really look at the bottom line and reverse engineer that. Well, that's what I'm going to have to do because I feel like just the last probably two months have been very very different to any. I think I've had the business 13 years, and I've never known a time quite like the last two months as to what it looks like. So, I think that pivot is yeah absolutely crucial to survival this is when ingenuity comes out though like it's times that are tough that force us to think differently and creative creatively and this is when if we give it the time and space this is when we get to uh we get to recreate like create something new that wasn't there before it doesn't have to even be dramatically different it probably just needs a new you know, a new box and a new bow on it yeah. and shift it slightly. Positioning needs to change. You need to speak to the to what's happening now. But this is the moment to, um, I can't think of the word, be um, creative, you know. Mm. This is the moments when new technologies come out of the woodwork, new uh, products come out of the woodwork. This is when we get to be creative and, and make some shit up and try something new you know because yeah. we've got nothing we've got nothing to lose like if you tried three new things or three new products or three new services or you stopped doing something and did something else instead like when you're already feeling the pinch you've got 
we actually got nothing to lose. I Absolutely. Think. You said before um, something that I just want to come back to, and she, you said that I'm all, you're always looking forward, and that was one of an, another key takeaway that I took from you um, as a business coach. Sometimes you would say to me, "Okay, look, you've got to. Everyone has a plan, whether they know it or not." Um, and I want you to get really, really clear on what your plan is. And I think you said to me, everyone should have a three, a five and a 10 year plan. But sometimes we'd actually get um, more kind of micro details on that. And it could be a three week, a three month plan. So can you tell every tell everyone a little bit about why that planning is so crucial to setting yourself up for success? Yeah, Um I know that sometimes looking forward, especially if you're in the day-to-day weeds, really hard to pop your head out and look forward. Um, that's that's tricky, especially if things are feeling tough. But uh, uh, it's a bit like, I'm a bit of a metaphor type of person. <laughs> so it's a little bit like, you know, um, if you're in Sydney and really you have aspiration to get to Brisbane, um, well, the first thing you need to know is like, do you want to go to Brisbane or do you want to go to Adelaide? Like, where do you want to go? Because there's no point jumping in the car and packing your bags on a trip if you don't even know where you're going. So that's kind of the first thing. And even if you're not really sure, at least you need to know if you're going to go north or south. Like, where do I ish want to go at least? Because it's going to make, you know, driving right now, you know, important. Which road am I going to turn next? Well, at least if I know I want to go south, at least I'm going to at least go in that direction. Because otherwise what can happen is we can, um, and I've experienced this, you know, shit just flies at us. Other people's problems, other people's requirements, business catches on. I call it catching on fire. Do you know when just things are a bit chaotic and you're kind of like, you've got to put all the fires out and, <laughs> yes. you know, other people's stuff comes flying at you or opportunity, if you're an opportunist, opportunities come and people say, do you want to do this? And why don't you come and speak here? And, um, and before you know it, you'd slammed doing everybody else's agenda or just a random agenda that came at you and you were just a yes person. Because I've been the yes person. I'm an opportunist. So I want to say yes to everything. Opportunities. Yeah. And next minute you wake up and you're like, actually, I don't even want to go this way. I just said yeah. yes. And um, suddenly I'm in Brisbane, but actually I really wanted to go to Adelaide. So I think just putting a pin in the map with a general direction, it gives, it, it gives you clarity on the decisions you, you say today. Do you know, yeah. like, am I going to say yes to speaking on, just for example, speaking on stage? Do I actually want to be a speaking on stage person? I probably not. I don't love being the center of attention. Um, so not, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do that. But, you know, just as an example, be an, at least-ish know kind of where you want to end up in 10 years from now. Otherwise, you wake up 10 years from now and go, how do I get here? Yeah. So I think that's the first thing. And then you can work backwards from there. Um, yeah, I think that's mainly the reason. And then getting things written down. Um, I don't know, maybe a little bit magically or maybe a little bit internally, intentionally, when you write something down, even if you kind of put it in a drawer and don't look at it and you find it two years later, somehow something magical happens and you end up doing the things that you write down. Um, I know as an industry, we're quite, we're visual, but we're also, also very kinesthetic. So I know when mm. I write something, I'm my whole body and being is in that writing and I'm now connected to what I've written down. It's how I learn. Um, so when I write a plan down, the chances of it coming to fruition just, you know, double, triple, quadruple. Um, 
The smarter thing is not to put it in the drawer. The smarter thing is to have it on the wall and look at it all the time, of course, because then you're more likely going to end up where you wanted to go. The hard thing is deciding where you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually the hard bit. I, th- I remember doing the exercise with you and I came up with like, you know, mood boards and these, and I had a beautiful apartment that overlooked Sydney Harbour Bridge. I was like, that's where I'm going to live. <laughs> and I do, and I look back and it's, it's actually a really great marker in my career to look back when I do those every few years and be like, oh, wow, shit, I really, I, I got quite far. I might not hit, you know, the glass ceiling, but I definitely made a fair dent in, in what it does. And that's really rewarding. I think one of the bigger problems that people in our industry and like yourselves, you and I as business owners have is that we do all of that and then we burn out. So what, what have you got to share on your view of burnout? How do you recharge and stay inspired? And do you have like non-negotiables? Like this is how my life is going to be and I'm not going to change it because I kind of need this to exist in the calmest, most peaceful space that I possibly can. Yeah, I think, um, you know, from that kind of long-term planning or, or putting a pin in the map to the right now, um, we do uh, something called 369 planning. So three years, six months, nine weeks. And so every nine weeks we have a plan of what yep. we're going to do over the next nine weeks. And it ties into the six months and the three years, obviously. Um, but I know for the next six week, uh, nine weeks what I'm going to work on but it also gives me permission for the things that I'm not going to work on and I'm going to park till the next nine-week circle. Because mm-hmm. nine weeks is a good amount of time to get a lot of shit done and take a little bit of a pause before you kind of start the cycle again. Um, and I think there's power in deciding what you're going to do but also in what you're not going to do because that whole sort of thing of having too much or saying yes to too many things is, um, is the beginning of the end and that's what leads us to burnout. And I find it's hard to commit to only this many things because I love a good shiny object or something that's really exciting. And ChatGTPT comes along and I'm like, oh, we've got to be part of this shiny object. Let's dive in. Now, hang on. We actually don't have any bandwidth for this. And because we Mm. calendar block and we go, this is the things we're going to do and it's in the calendar, there ain't no space for that. Or if I want to stick something shiny objects in, I have to move something out. So I have to be a little bit intentional about that. And it's only that, the discipline of that process that makes space for what I would call my other life that I try to squeeze in because I'm stupid passionate about business and I know a lot of people that listen or are in business like you and I, we love our businesses. But you've got to make space for the other parts of your life like your kids mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So um, part of choosing to be uh remote or you know uh disciplined about like I always pick up my children at three o'clock that for me is a non-negotiable um and I need to work around that so I know what my limitations are on how much work I can do and if I want to get more stuff done I need to be able to have more people to delegate it to if I want to be able to employ more people to delegate it to then I need to have my sales go up so I can afford them so um that's kind of the cycle of project management and this nine-week cycle type of thing, knowing what you can and you can't do, and then non-negotiable. Um, so picking up kids, that's one of them, and feeding them. I feel that's quite important to have a bit of a touch point. Um, the other one is white space. This is a hard one, but it's so valuable 
white space is just I'll show you I'll tell you what white space looks like for me okay. it, it can look like lots of different things but in every nine week cycle on a Wednesday I take one Wednesday off and it's just like a me day and I'll do things like walk around Wellington waterfront with the dog and not listen to a podcast like just calm the phone calm the brain mm-hmm. and Here's an example to know what I mean by white space. Actually, this is a better example. Do you ever have your best ideas when you're in the shower? <laughs> you're the second guest on this podcast to say that to me. Uh, yes. Yeah. And uh, so if you're having too many great ideas in the shower, that's just a symptom of not having enough other white space in your life because it's like this calm, quiet moment. And in the calmness, the best genius ideas come. So the other place is like you go on holiday it takes me about three days to unwind from the holiday and all the things to stop. Then I have some space and I've been present. And then about day five to day seven, maybe maybe eight, depending, suddenly all of these ideas yes. and amazing things come. Just da-da. 100%. That happened to me a few weeks ago and I came back. I, I sat on a plane for six hours typing nonstop, <laughs> just vomiting out all of the ideas yeah. that I had during the holiday and I was like get me back to work I need to get back yeah yeah and there's a sense of urgency now yeah so you kind of want to intentionally engineer this uh experience right like why wait till you have a holiday to have the best ideas uh why have too many ideas in the shower because by the time I get out of the shower I've forgotten half of them I have mm. to go three I have to remember three ideas three ideas go and write them down um so that's a symptom of not having enough white space. So my goal is to have some white space in the middle of every nine-week sprint and just have a day off. Go and have a massage, walk around the beach, create the calm because that's when all the best ideas and all the all the problems that I need to solve and suddenly I go, oh, we just need to do this and then it'll work. So um, creating white space, super important. Yeah, I love that. Super hard to do. It's so true. It's so true. Thank you so, so much for sharing so much of your incredible insight and knowledge. And I think everyone needs to connect with you. So can you just kind of, um, I'm going to drop all of your handles and links and all of that kind of thing in the show notes, but just maybe give a verbal shout out on how people can reach you. So the second they've finished listening, they can just dive straight onto their Insta and connect with you. Okay, cool. So we're at Salon Owners Collective on Insta. Same for Facebook. Um, and I'm a bit of a messenger type of person. That seems to be where I have lots of conversations. So uh, Larissa McClement is my personal uh, profile. Uh, SalonOwnersCollective.com. Yeah, that's where you'll, that's where you'll find me and the team. Places. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, and I look forward to, you know, having this chat again, you know, in a year or so. Let's see what happens. Would love it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Larissa.